KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Probably a little too naive. You know, I kind of grew up like in like this bubble in northern Vermont, and like there was never issues or anything like that. And and you know, to to be able to kind of relate and and, and help and understand and, and mentor these kids is, is certainly been pretty fulfilling for me. And our guest this week is our Sinus College head football coach, Peter Gallagher. He has been with the Bears since 2000, uh, one of the top teams in the Centennial, a consistent winner. And, Coach, thanks so much for the time. Yeah, great to be on, Matt. What has the last year been like for you? Of course, you guys didn't have a season because of the pandemic in 2020. Uh, You know, just what's it been like? What have you been dealing with? How did you cope with it? You, you certainly had to make adjustments just like, you know, everybody else in the, in the pandemic. I, I think that just like we're doing now, we've been on, uh, you know, a lot of virtual calls. And one of the great things for, for us at our sinus is that our administration was, was very proactive in keeping school open. Uh, we were able to bring recruits on campus um, and spend time with them and, you know, had a, a little bit of, of some non padded practice in, in the fall, which was, was great for our kids, especially our, our, our freshmen to, to, to just, just get them out there and, and be together. And then, um, you know, we were fortunate that, uh, that our administration let us go out and, and practice. Uh, we had nine padded practices and six non-padded practices, had two inter-squad scrimmages. And, and really, again, for our younger kids was tremendous. So you know, on a professional level, on, on a personal level, you really got to spend a bunch of time with your family. When this first thing hit, you know, you're hunkered down and, and, uh, you got, uh, had my wife and my daughters and dog and, you know, eating dinner every night and, and, and doing that was good, but it's, it's certainly nice to see the light at the end of the tunnel, be able to, to have some optimism, uh, of a fall football season and, and, and a fall you know, normal semester for, for everybody, you know, involved. So let's talk a little bit about your career. Was football always your top sport as a kid? Or were you a kid who did whatever was going on in the neighborhood or whatever was in season? I grew up in a small town in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, a place called St. Johnsbury, Vermont, famous for being the Maple Center capital of the world. And also home of uh, the Fairbanks family. Thaddeus Fairbanks was the inventor of the, the uh, of the platform scale. So uh, that's the claim to fame for 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 St. Jay. But I grew up a skier and a ski racer. And, and uh, my dad was a ski uh, a skier a skier in high school. Went on to ski for the University of Vermont. And and it wasn't uh, there was no youth tackle football in the area. I had a great experience, you know, playing like some flag football and stuff like that. But it wasn't until my freshman year that I started tack, playing tackle football and, 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 you know, that's when it really started to, Hey, this is pretty cool. You know, I, I like this. And we had an undefeated team. I remember the coach, like it was yesterday, a guy by the name of Tom Lovett. He was an English teacher, recently hired guy. And he uh, was an amazing experience. He went on to uh, actually become the headmaster of my high school, St. Johnsbury Academy. And, you know, some of the lessons learned in that year, Going undefeated, you know, it's like a, a, something that I've been chasing ever since. What position did you play? I was a linebacker and a, and a guard. 
always thought that uh, I should have been like a fullback or something like that too. But I got put on the uh, the offensive line and, and linebackers where, you know, I started to have, you know, some success. And, you know, I was sitting at St. Johnsbury Academy and we had chapel. It was a private school. And, you know, there was kind of the message of the day in the morning. And, and uh, they said, uh, they tell you colleges that were coming in and, you know, I heard hey, West Virginia Wesleyan's coming in at, you know, sixth period or whatever. And I was like, hey, you know, that sounds like a good school. I'm going to uh, go down there and see uh, see if they got a football team. You know, while recruiting, uh, you know, 5'9", 210-pound uh, linebackers from the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont really wasn't, there wasn't a whole bunch of coaches coming through. So uh, I went down, talked. We, we, we you know, uh, they did have football, sent some tape down to – a guy by the name of Bill Struble was uh, was my head college coach and had an opportunity to, to to go down there played played a bunch of football we had a pretty good team and and uh, you know was able to play in high school and was able fortunate to be able to uh, to play in college. Did you ski at all along this or did skiing get put to the put to the side once football came in? Yeah, uh, you know I I get made fun of quite a bit uh, when I go home and and ski. Because skiing has transformed so much. My senior year in high school, I was probably best at Giant Solemn, and I had 210 centimeter skis. Okay, those are like dinosaurs now. Like no one skis with those long skis. So like you know, even during college, and even now, I, I finally got some 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 new skis. But I've gotten one new pair of skis since high school. You know, when you really get a new pair almost every year. So. I haven't been able to ski that much. I still love getting back up to uh, – I try to go with my brother once, so my two brothers once a year go up there and, and, and do some skiing. But uh, uh, football's kind of taken over things for me. But it's interesting because those are not two sports that usually intertwine in a career and a person. Are there things that you – when you look back that your your experience in skiing has helped you, helped you as a football player? Because I would imagine – reflex time having to see everything that's in front of you be aware of your surroundings especially as a linebacker where you got to have your head on a swivel i would imagine that translates kind of well maybe <laughs> I, I think i think the only thing i got from growing up a skier was cold feet and cold toes uh, you know stand at the top of a uh, stand at the top waiting for your turn to, to race down a mountain you know, they didn't have like uh, heated socks or heated this or heated that back in the day. So, uh, you know, I get made fun of quite a bit on a football field. You, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, 45 degrees out. People are coming out in shorts. You know, I got uh, I'm layered up and, and well, you're from Vermont. Yeah, well, I'm from Vermont and I'm paying for it now because <laughs> I don't have any circulation in my toes or my fingers. Your college career as a player, what are some of the, the best memories that come flooding back when you think about your time at West Virginia Wesleyan? The memory in the, the kind of the, the, I don't know, cool story about it. I guess it wasn't really cool at the time, but it's a, it's a pretty, you know, something that we talk about in my family quite a bit is uh, after high school, you know, I was uh, uh, fortunate to be, be uh, asked to play on the Vermont Shrine team, which was a game that Vermont played against New Hampshire. So I was going to be like a day or two late to go to West Virginia Wesleyan. And, and uh, you know, I called up Bill Struble, the head coach there. And I was like, hey, Bill, you know, uh, I didn't call him Bill. Hey, coach, I'm, can I play in this game? You know, I'm be like, sure. I was like, I'm going to fly into to, to Clarksburg. You know, it's about 14, 10, 10 uh, 12, 14 hour drive for I'm going to fly into Clarksburg, West Virginia. 
uh, stopped in Pitt. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have a coach there pick you up. So you know, I remember flying into to the Clarksburg Airport, and and I don't know how many small airports you've been in, Matt, but this is probably smaller than the smallest one that you've ever seen. So you know, I get off the plane, and it wasn't like you know you walk down the stairs to like the pavement, you know, and, and uh, I go in there and I, I guess I didn't expect really the band to be playing for me at, at, at that time, but uh, I ex- certainly expected that there was going to be someone there to pick me up. And uh, well, that didn't happen. So I spent my first day, you know, of West Virginia Wesleyan football camp in the, in the Clarksburg airport. And of course there was no cell phones or nothing like this. I'm trying to add like a calling card that I could reach my parents. My parents were trying to call coach Struble. And at the end of the day, uh, finally I got there and, you know, went down and, and uh, boy, it was a tough time. It was a tough transition for sure. You know, being away from home like that. And I, I use those, uh, I use that experience you know, often in my office, talking with kids, talking with kids that are having a hard time in in their first semester. But, you know, I went down there, I I had an opportunity to play, uh, you know, play a bunch of football, meet a bunch of good friends. And, and, you know, we had pretty good teams and and, uh, it was a bunch of fun. Was coaching always something you figured was in your future as you're playing? Or was it something when your playing days were over, you realized how important the game was to you and you wanted to stay connected? Well, so here I was, and I had known, and I had talked to some people and talked to some family friends about, hey, you know, maybe I'll I'll get this coaching thing a try. And and this whole graduate assistantship was something that, hey, maybe I want to try to get my grad uh, degree and paid for. So I I remember, uh, you know, I was in the middle of, of, of an aggressive social agenda a week before graduation and, and, uh, I was sitting in a common area. I'd, I'd, I'd lost my keys. So I was locked out of my room. I was sitting in uh, the common area, and, and there was one phone. Uh, you know, this was before cell phones and all that. And the phone rang. And, you know, I'd, I'd picked this phone up maybe a half a dozen times before. Not You know, that's not for me. So I pick up the phone, and is this Peter, is Peter Gallagher there? And I was like, for a second, I was like, go. Uh oh, you know who's calling me? Well, my first initial reaction was like, no. But anyways, I said, yeah, yeah, this is Peter Gallagher, and it was, uh, oh, well, this is Bob Benson. I'm, I'm the head football coach at Georgetown University, and and uh, uh, Bruce Wheeler, uh, you know, and I'd I'd known Bob. Bob was grew up in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont too, and I'd seen him at some camps. He mentioned Bruce Wheeler. Bruce Wheeler was a uh, part of a family that we had, my, my family had bought a uh, campground from, and, and he was a head football coach at a, a local high school, gave Bob his first job. Uh, you know, Bruce told me you're interested in coaching football. I was like, yeah. yeah. I said, well, uh, you know, uh, would you be interested in stopping by Georgetown on the, uh, you know, next week? And I was like, sure. <laughs> you know, so uh, the packed up my stuff after graduation and, and uh, you know, on my way home from, from Wesleyan. Uh, stopped by uh, Georgetown and, and uh, talked to Bob and, and uh, uh, a guy by the name of Sean Halloran was there too. Uh, they interviewed me and I was fortunate enough to get the job and you know the rest is history. My wife, my wife makes fun of me often says I've never you know I've never not been in college. I'm a 50 year old college kid. You know I've never I graduated from college but I'm still in college. So I I, I was fortunate enough to get into college 
coaching days after graduation. And, and uh, you know, here I am today still doing it. Was it always, you know, early on, were you always like, this is what I need to do? Did you have, were there any questions in the early days? I'm sure you're, you know, money, you're not making a ton of money. It's long hours, stuff like that. Or were you always sold? This is where I need to be. I tell you, I didn't make a whole lot of money from coaching for a while, technically. But, you know, those Georgetown, those uh, those two years, I had two years at Georgetown and I got put up in a house, a row home on Capitol Hill. And uh, literally, you could see the Capitol from uh, I was on New Jersey and like C or D Street. I mean, I had a mountain bike. You could ride the mall. It was just a phenomenal, phenomenal situation. And also, you know, one of the people from Georgetown Athletics knew uh, the owner of this bar down uh, on the Potomac River called Chadwick's. So, uh, you know, I started bartending there, I don't know, three, four times a week. I had more cash in my pocket then, Matt, than, than I ever had. You know, it was great. I was coaching football. I was in D.C., you know, and then uh, after a couple of years, I, I, uh, I, you know, I knew I wasn't getting a master's degree. And I knew, hey, you know, we got to try to move some things on. And opportunity, I found out about it at Wagner College, which has graduate assistants and Went up there, got a chance to through through some common acquaintances of Bob and chance to get up there and get on uh, and get on that staff. And again, wasn't making a whole lot of money there, but you take in consideration that I was living for free. I had a meal card. I was eating in the dorms, and and I was you know blessed to get into their MBA program and you know start doing. Uh, uh, it was a 54-hour MBA, but I had a business undergrad, so I got nine-hour prerequisite. So a uh, 45-hour MBA program, uh, that was free. So, you know, I often look back at that Wagner program and, and, and look at the value of that job and, and how that, you know, kind of, you know, set my career in motion there and uh, positioned me to, to get out of there. And, and uh, you know, it was pretty funny. Walt, Hamline was head coach at Wagner and, and uh, he did, he was the AD too. He did an amazing job bringing in young coaches and had a lot of, and he did it for recruiting, but it was a GA, but I coached my own position and, and uh, I had my own recruiting area. It's where I met Dan Mullen, the, the, the current head coach at Florida now. He's actually under sinus grad. Uh, we started to de- develop a relationship there. It was, it was cool. We, you know, as coaches, you know, talking about not having a whole lot of money we Fridays we'd go down and, and ride the Staten Island ferry, you know, the Staten Island ferry is free, you know, and they had like this little concession stand where you could, you know, they were selling like tall boy Heineken's for a dollar. So it was like the cheapest happy hour in town. You're out on the Hudson river. You're seeing the statue of Liberty. I was getting an NBA free coaching football. I mean, those were, uh, those were the days, Matt. I'm curious the days of bartending in Washington D.C. I would imagine you came across a famous person or two. The, the coolest story that I'll have to say about that is I remember being a young coach, and it really wasn't. I had there was a lot of guys that 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 had come uh, come through the the Chadwicks, and I worked a lunch crew more than like the weekend deal. And but I, I remember as a young coach, probably my first year. Walking into McDonough Gym at Georgetown uh, University, seeing these, and again, this was before cell phones, and seeing these just abnormally huge legs coming out of this like sit-in phone booth. And I'm like, what? Who 
is this? So I walk by and it's Patrick Ewing. So Patrick Ewing sitting in, uh, you know, sitting in the phone, in the phone booth on the, you know, and, and him, Alonzo Mourning and, and Mukembe Mutombo, they were always in the facility. And, and, you know, we took our recruits to US Air Arena to watch the Hoyas, uh, you know, play. And, and it was at the same time that, that Allen Iverson was there. And I remember talking to, the, you know, looking at Bob Benson, you know, we're like recruiting, but we need that guy. You know, we need Allen Iverson to come out and play some football for us. And, and uh, so that was a pretty neat experience down there at Georgetown. So as you're coaching, what are the lessons you're learning? What are some of the big lessons you learned as a young coach that kind of helped shape the coach you are today? And who were some of the big influences on you? Well, you know, certainly Bob, you know, my first job was a big influence. Walt Hamline at Wagner, uh, certainly uh, he, boy, he just wore his, his whole demeanor on his sleeve. He was who he was. He went out every day and, and uh, the kids loved him. He had nothing but energy and, and uh, let his coaches coach. I left Wagner and had the opportunity to, to take a look. It was my second, second year at Wagner and I was finishing up my MBA and, you know, I, I was like, hey, you know, boy, I, how am I going to move this thing forward? I remember I had an AFCA uh, manual, you know, of all the addresses of all the Division One football coaches that you could, uh, or, or athletic departments. I remember going to the library and filling out every single, you know, sending letter after letter after letter. Now I got a whole bunch of rejection letters back. Some wrote notes, say, hang in there. And, you know, I got two calls back from that. You know, and one was from John Lyons, which was, a you know, it was a real uh, mentor to me as far as organization and, and being on a, a really at Dartmouth and, and, and being on a real big uh, staff, you know, we, we, we recruiting nationally. And, and uh, you know, I remember John calling me up and saying, hey, you know, would you be interested? And in, in, in my letter to him, I said, hey, you know, I'm from the area. I'm not far. Dartmouth's about an hour from where I grew up. And, and uh, you know, would you? Be interested in coming up so I was like sure and uh the 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 next uh next day or so out of the blue have no connection to Barry Gallup at Northeastern whatsoever Barry Barry Gallup calls and was like hey you know we got a position would you be interested so I go up and talk to John Lyons and and he asked me like uh how you doing you know, we, we had the you know normal I prepared for it I was ready for it I did well in the interview yeah what else do you got going I was like, well, you know, tomorrow uh, I'm heading down to Northeastern interviewing for a position very similar to the one, you know, this one. I could tell right away his demeanor changed. And and, uh, I went on a campus tour, uh, came back, sat down in his office. He offered me the job on the spot. First time that's ever happened to me. And, and you know, to get up to go to Dartmouth and and working Ivy League is is amazing. So John certainly had uh, an influence a, a real big influence on me and in, in, in how to do that, uh, how to, how to coach, how to organize and, and uh, how to go about your business. And it's interesting places like specifically, you know, or science is a special school when it comes to academics, you're looking for a certain type of student athlete. How much does the experience of recruiting and working with kids at places like Georgetown and Dartmouth kind of help you know what you have to do to fish in that type of student athlete pool? It's, it's wanting to do that as well, you know, is wanting to have that, uh, to be able to work with those types of, of, of young men and, and to be able to mentor those type of, types of, uh, of young men. And, and certainly if you look at, you know, the, the, my career path from Georgetown to Wagner to Dartmouth, 
you know, right after Dartmouth, I was fortunate to go to the University of Rochester to become the defensive coordinator. It was really, really tough decision. My, my fiance turned wife was working at Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center in Hanover, New Hampshire. Beautiful place. Hour from where I grew up, you know, went over to uh, to Rochester. So, I mean, you can you know, I was always at some of the nation's leading liberal arts colleges and, and, and universities. And, you know, when their Ursinus job came open, I, I was like, you know, this is a, this is a place that this is a place that I, I'd like to be associated with. And so I, I threw my, my name in the ring. And, and not only at that time, you know, that was the same time that Swarthmore dropped football which was awful. You know, I feel terrible for the kids down at Swarthmore, but I was thinking to myself, and I remember looking at an Atlas map and like, where, you know, where exactly is their sinus? And I had known from her sign about her sinus from, from Dan Mullen and oh, boy, it's right outside of Philly, man. It was the middle of uh, CB West's uh, long run and high school football in Southeast PA was really, which still is really huge and, and, and successful. I'm like, uh, I'm going to take a look at this thing. It's a school that, you know, is, is very similar and should be able to attract, uh, you know, uh, high academic kids from, you know, families that value education. And, and uh, so uh, threw my name in the ring and the uh, rest is history. What's it like when you first take over the program? I mean, is it overwhelming? I'm, I mean, you know what a head coach does, but I think being a collegiate head football coach, you don't appreciate all the things that come under your umbrella until you're in the center of the storm, no? Right. There's no question. And, and, you know, being a young coach, I was, you know, I don't know, 26, 27. Shoot, I had a guy that was older than me at Georgetown uh, in my position group. And then Rochester, 26, 27, 28. I took over uh, Ursinus at 29. You know, it was incident after, you know, situation after situation where, you know, you look back and, and you know, maybe, you know, when you were on staffs, you, you know, oh, I would have handled it. I would have but it all started to kind of piece together for me. Uh, my, my first year was great. You know, I, I took over for a guy by the name of Paul Gunther. Uh, Paul uh, has had a, a great career in the NFL, most recently a defense coordinator at the Oakland Raiders. And, and uh, you know, he had a bunch of players at her sinus, and, and they were doing well. We, we had a kid, uh, Sherrod Duncan, led the country in rushing, 1,700 yards, led, led all divisions in rushing. It was really, really phenomenal first year. But then – you know, we didn't have, I didn't have a, a big first class and I had about six kids, you know, my, my, my second class started to get better, but you know, it, it, it's certainly a, a, you know, certainly a humbling experience, certainly an, a, an experience that, you know, you, you take the job at 29, not really knowing the value of experience or, or, you know, like, oh, everybody says you don't have enough experience. You really not you really don't value that until you, you, you go down that road uh, a, a couple of times and, and uh, you start having to deal with, with different things and make different types of decisions. And, and uh, uh, you know, so it was hard at the beginning. It, it was a difficult process for sure. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with our sinus head football coach, Peter Gallagher, right after this. I'm Jay Scott Smith. Every day, my colleagues here at KYW News Radio uncover stories in our neighborhoods. These are the things that people are so frustrated with. Sometimes it doesn't all fit on the radio. None of this was captured on a surveillance camera. But we talk about it on the rundown from KYW News Radio. Listen free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Our guest this week on One on One, Ursinus head football coach Peter Gallagher. When does. 
when do you start to really feel like, okay, I get it. I got it. I know what this takes. I'm going to be okay. How do you remember? Is there a moment where it starts to crystallize for you? Maybe it was more of a moment where I realized, Hey, you know, uh, this is, this is harder than you think it's going to be. You know, you're a coordinator, you're doing really well. You know, we had some teams and, and, uh, you know, we had a rough, rough time at it uh, for a couple years there at the beginning. I remember probably two things come to mind. They both have to do with Gettysburg. But uh, we were playing on Patterson Field, and it was sideways rain. We hadn't had a, uh, any success in conference uh, for a couple years. And, and uh, we're driving for the win, and time's ticking down, and, and I don't know, maybe about 20 seconds to go. And we fumbled the football into the end zone. A uh, mad scramble for the ball, and a Gettysburg player actually kicks it back out of the end zone, avoids the touchback, which essentially would have lost the game. We 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 retained possession, going and score, and, and I think that was like 2005. And I and I think I think from there, you know, we started to gain some traction, and and the next week we actually went down to Johns Hopkins and and upset them, a perennial top you know, 10 top 20 team in the country. And, 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 and then things started going, but, you know, I remember to get back to, to your question. I remember we had played Gettysburg, I don't know, maybe a couple years later and we had run up a big lead on them and they came storming back and we won the game 55 to 50 set every record known to anybody about yards in a game and this, that, and the other thing. And I remember going to the half, I remember going to the center field after the game you know, to shake, uh, shake Barry Streeter's hand. And, and, you know, we were both just exhausted, but you could definitely see, you know, his exhaustion on his face. And, and it's like, man, you know, winning at, at, at any level is hard, but winning here is, is, is certainly, uh, is certainly uh, a, a challenge. How have you changed as a coach since you came to her side as either in style, uh, belief, playbook you know how have you changed you know so I came in as defensive coach first of all you know I'd, I'd been defense uh, my whole uh, my whole career up through the thing came in here coordinated defense at her science when I started and I don't know probably five six years into my career at her sinus I, I switched uh, over to the offensive side of the ball and, and uh, you know from a philosophy standpoint you know, that, you know, offense, defense, but how I, you know, how I've changed throughout the years is, is I I think I'm a little bit calmer. I think I, you know, I I take a deep breath. I think I take a deep breath more. I'm not quite, you know, I've had a great, I've had a great run with, with hiring some outstanding assistants and, 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 you know, letting them work and, and do their craft and that part of it in the football and then I would say my biggest role is understanding these kids and, and understanding that there's so many different kids and the diverse background and the mentorship that, 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 that these kids needs. It, you know, a lot of people are always talk about, hey, you know, uh, you're going to recruit to win and recruiting and recruiting. Sure. Recruiting is certainly certainly a big part of it. But. You know, being able to to sit in your office and talk with a kid and talk through a kid, you know, whether it's, you know, family issues or death or, or uh, so I, I think, you know, if, if I've 
if I've, you know, accomplished some things, I think that's one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of is that, that to be able to develop these relationships, help these kids, you know, help these kids position themselves for, uh, uh, for their future and probably a little too naive. You know, I kind of grew up like in like this bubble in Northern Vermont and like there was never issues or anything like that. And, and, you know, to, to be able to kind of relate and, and, and help and understand and, and mentor these kids is, is certainly been pretty fulfilling for me. You mentioned a couple of games against Gettysburg. If I ask you of your career at Ursinus, what are a couple of other games that stand out? When you think kind of about the, the tapestry of your coaching career at, at Ursinus, what would be a couple of games that always come running to the front when you think back? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, there's certainly their moments. I, I, I think, you know, 2006, Dickinson had won this, already secured the, the Centennial Championship. And, and we were pretty good. I think we were seven and two going into the game. I think they were eight, eight and one. But the, we had lost two. They had only maybe lost one or whatever. We were mathematically out of it, but we took them to overtime and, and beat them on Patterson Field. That was pretty cool. Uh, just a great back and forth, back and forth football game. You know, 2010, we won the championship, the elusive championship. It's uh, really a memorable, a memorable uh, uh, year there. Beating Millersville and, and Division Two team and. In uh, in 2015, uh, then you start to get to the the the, the top of it, you know, uh, knocking off Johns Hopkins in 2017. They had a 45 game winning streak, and that was at Patterson Field, and we were four and zero. They were uh, they were four and zero, and and uh, boy, what a what a what a win for players for Sinus and and. Uh, you know, and then and then in, uh, in eighteen we got to you know the postseason. Uh, we played in the MAC Centennial Championship and and were able to go up to Misericordia and, and win a football game the way I'd never ever won one before. And you know, not you know you worry about everything, but we you know we won seventy to fourteen and rolled up seven hundred yards of offense and and uh, it was uh, it was really amazing day you know you come out of halftime up 42 to 14 and run a 92 yarder back for a touchdown at 49 you know you look down you look at the scoreboard halfway through the third quarter it's 56 to 14 you're like oh my god what you know it's just never been that uh, that situation for me but you know I, I think the most you know the most cherished thing the most cherished accomplishment that I've had you know at during my time at at, at her sinus mad is you know, being able to raise my two daughters in the same home, giving them a, a platform to be uh, uh, the success that that they are, and they're two amazing young ladies, and they're off at uh, at college now, and and certainly uh, a, a real proud dad uh, about that. And I was going to ask you about your daughters. They're soccer players. Uh, well, you have one at Loyola and one at Navy. What is it like? Coaches like to coach. Is it hard to separate coach from dad when you're watching them play? And does it help that it's a, a sport that you're not coaching? How do you handle that? Well, I have to give most of their athletic credit to uh, my wife, Stacy. She's just been outstanding. And not only has she had an outstanding professional career here in Philadelphia, 
uh, you know, at the, the Hill School, Cabrini. She was at the Academy in Notre Dame. She was at Baldwin School. She's now currently at the Marion Mercy Academy. I'm, I'm not allowed to really do a whole lot of cheering and yelling and stuff like that at the games because I can't really get into my coach voice. I, I try to do most of my coaching behind the scenes with them, you know, and at the dinner table or in the backyard and, and just talking about uh, – uh, talking about things. So, you know, I'm, I'm certainly, uh, you're not going to certainly, I'll, I'll give a, a big roar if, if, you know, my youngest makes a save or my oldest scores a goal or has a good play, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty quiet on, uh, on the sidelines. I was reading an article about them when they played each other. I think that was this past season, right? And uh, you guys had shirts made up, a house divided, all that kind of cool stuff. Just what, as a dad, what was it like watching your two daughters play collegiate soccer against each other? You know, it was a unique experience for sure. You know, it was like, it was, you know, it was pretty intense. It was pretty nerve wracking. It was, uh, there was a lot of hype. You know, my, my oldest daughter, Kaylee, uh, has her own streetwear brand that, that she, she kind of got into making uh, you know, some different selling, some different clothing items and things like that. So she made these shirts and there was some hype and there was some hype during the recruiting process. And, and, you know, that was, uh, that was pretty intense. And then, you know, you, you settle down and you start watching the game, which we were able to see in, in person and, uh, and it all kind of just calmed down. And it was, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. They actually played each other in the semifinals of the Patriot League tournament as well. And the second time, and, they, they, they both were tight. The first game was an overtime uh, win for Navy in, uh, at Loyola. And then the second game was, was a one nothing win by Navy. But boy, oh boy, Loyola put it on hard at the end. And, and uh, uh, Navy, uh, Navy pulled it out. And, but just so proud that they're at some fantastic places and having so much success in, in, in their career. And, and uh, you know, you, you, you look at the – moving around and having to do this and having to do that. And some of my other friends in, 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 uh, in the profession, you know, they're at a place here for a couple of years and moving here for a couple of years, you know? So uh, I've been real fortunate to be at a great institution here at Ursinus and, and uh, be able to coach and mentor a, a bunch of, a bunch of outstanding young men, have a bunch of good coaches. And, and we've had a, a tremendous administration. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about, you know, some of the people here at our sinus, you know, particularly our athletic director, uh, Laura Mulliken, she was a, you know, national championship field hockey coach turned AD and just what an outstanding job she has done, you know, with, uh, with the college. You mentioned you have had a lot of, of your assistants from her sinus. You've got a pretty impressive coaching tree. How much pride does that give you the people that that you helped mentor that were probably in that same situation that you were you know when you're coming into georgetown that you were able to kind of be a step on their ladder to to getting them to where they ultimately want to go yeah you know i really enjoy having some of my own players come back and play for me and and you know shane eaches came in was a great player for us, went off to JMU, came back, was defense coordinator, got on to uh, Oklahoma State staff, and now he's a defense coordinator at Houston Baptist in, uh, in the FCS. Uh, 
you know, currently Jeff Endy's working for me and just promoted him from, from defense, uh, defensive backs to, to, to wide outs and, and uh, recruiting coordinator and special teams coordinator, bringing Kyle Atkins back into the program after he's the youngest coach in Pennsylvania PIAA history to win a state championship at Archbishop Wood coming back to coach our linebackers. It, it really means a lot to me to be able to, 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 to not only be their coach, but then to also coach them in a professional way. You know, I, I try to create an environment where they're going to be able to take something from here uh, and, and be better, be better in the, in the coaching profession and, 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 and be better people. You mentioned being able to bring the kids in and help them and talk to them. Is that your favorite part of what you do? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, I think right now it's certainly the, the, the most satisfying to, to be able to, to be able to, to, to help somebody through a situation in, in, in their lives. And, and then, you know, and then either see them down the road in an alumni game or, or, uh, uh, you know, stay in touch with them on uh, through social media or something like that. I, I, I think it's certainly, it's certainly the most, most fulfilling and, and, you know, it, it certainly gives uh, gives me a lot of satisfaction to be able to help some of these uh, young men and make a difference in their lives. Favorite part of game day. Is it waking up knowing it's game day? Do you have a routine that's a favorite part? Is it deciding to go fourth and one late in the third quarter? Do you, if you had to distill it to, to your favorite part of game day, what would it be? At our sinus, of course, at a smaller school like our sinus, you got to wear a lot of hats. And, and uh, you know, I don't know how many, you know, small college football games that you've seen, Matt, but, you know, if you come to our sinus, you're going to come to an event. And it's going to be it's going to be choreographed. And it's something that it's important to me to provide these kids with an experience. You know, you see on division, you know, on the TV that, the you know, the music's going to, you know, we're going to take. So the answer, the answer to your question, the most the, the favorite part, the favorite part for me uh, on game day is, is scoring a touchdown and then cranking our stereo system up and 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 and. Just feeling that electricity in the stands, seeing the kids so excited about what they're doing. But you know, being able to pre, uh, uh, to give our kids that uh, that experience, and, and you know, we've built this thing on Greater Philadelphia kids. So you got you got Greater Philadelphia fans out there too. You know, so the tailgates rolling, the grills are rolling, and 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 so you know, my favorite part of, of game day is 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 you just provide an atmosphere that uh that is real special you look at college football you don't get to play that often you know you just don't for this amount of times you practice you know and 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 certainly you know you go to some of these places and and you know there's no music going there's no nothing going and it's just kind of a bore uh it's not that way at her sinus and so we want to try to have some fun with it peter gallagher this has been a lot of fun thanks so much for taking the time i appreciate you matt always great talking with you that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank our Sinus College head football coach, Peter Gallagher, for being our guest this week. Now, if you like this show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts and want to help us out, please leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for all the support and thanks for listening. And be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.